This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Greetings, Earthlings. You're listening to Ian Kausman from Marietta's Trench on Tobin Tonight. first thing I want to do is just welcome you to the podcast and it's great to have you on. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. With Mariana's Trench, you formed in, I believe, 2001. And this is so odd because there are probably going to be people out there that are going to be like, what? Because they discovered you in a newspaper. And it's called the Georgia, is it Georgia Strait? Oh, Georgia Strait. Oh, like me, you're talking, yeah. Uh, I put in, I was having, I wasn't having any luck finding musicians that were serious enough to play with or ones that like worked with what, you know, the style that I, of music I enjoyed playing. And I was, the worst way to go about it is to put your ad in a newspaper. It's not the normal way about, but I was like, well, I got nothing to lose. So I just kind of, I wrote, you know, put an ad drummer available and I put my influences and jaw. There was, I got so many calls and you could just tell like, oh, I'm not calling this, you know. You get the yeah. uh, like you guys like yeah I'm 55 and I'm like dude you're 55 where where do you live oh, I'm still living in, you know he's living in his mom's base or something yeah. like that. okay yeah. like no but I had two guys call and Josh is one of them but you could just tell by the seriousness of and it's hard to explain you could just tell by the seriousness of their their voice and like you know I met Josh and rehearsed you know auditioned for the band and got the gig and the rest is history when you were mentioning about putting it in the newspaper and the reason I was kind of like doing the whole Tim Allen like who for like the younger generation because they're like you can put stuff in a newspaper what's a newspaper why don't you just make a tiktok video or tweet it out i can imagine those days of putting in something like a newspaper ad basically here i am this is what i want to do and then just kind of hoping that someone sees that and goes yeah okay i'll take a shot at them it was at least the artist newspaper where they had like all the you know all the shows that were going around all the movies like and all the restaurants it was the kind of the hip newspaper in vancouver it was like the free one that you get but it was very very driven towards like entertainment so it wasn't like the local sun or province kind of thing it was at least more more geared towards it yeah like it has its niche market so you knew kind of who you were getting it wasn't just like some random person going like you know like i was thinking about forming a band yeah so when you were mentioning about instantly, like two people called you, one was Josh, like, do you remember how that phone call went? Do you remember like what really sold you in, you know, sticking with Josh compared to the other people that could have called? Well, he called me. He, Josh, is a, he's a fantastic human being, but he's got a crazy sense of humor. So my answering machine message, it didn't even say my name or anything like that. It was just a Mandarin to English translation that this it was from an album by a band called Mr. Bungle way back it said excuse me I am lost please help me and then it said the translation in Mandarin and then it just it this went to like beep like so no you've reached Ian no nothing it was just excuse me I'm lost please help me then it tells it back and sends it back in Mandarin and then go and ran, Josh was like oh my god this is the guy like he didn't even think like, he thought immediately I'm like this is totally going to be our drummer and then when I, I think I met him at a Starbucks, him and the guitar player came to, you know, just see what I was all about. 
and I had the day off and I was like, well, he, at the time his, he, uh, his dad had a studio detached from the house. So I went, I think I went straight over to their house and listened to the a demo that they recorded. And I was like, wow, I actually really like this. When I checked out the studio and I was like, okay, when, you know, like, when can we get started? They, I think they gave me, I think they gave me five. Well, oh yeah, I was close anyway. I was like, I was sold. They got to obviously make sure that I'm okay. of a personality and then that I can play kind of thing. So I went and rehearsed for, I don't even remember how long I would have rehearsed for, but I went and memorized a bunch of their tunes and then tried out and he liked it. And he's like, I think we got a show in a week. And we had to play like two full sets of this dive bar. And it was all original stuff. And I couldn't, it was funny because I memorized so many songs. It was like 15 or 20 songs. And that's, that's a lot to get in like a week. And I couldn't remember, like I had a set list beside me. I couldn't associate the name of the song with how the song went. So I knew all the songs. Once the song started, I knew exactly what to do. I knew all the parts. But then I didn't know what song was what, like which song was which. So I had to go to the bass player. I was like, okay, brother, what is that again? How does it go? And he would just play like the first two lines. And I'm like, okay, got it. It was quite funny just because I knew all the material, but I didn't have any idea what anything was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like you start singing. Okay. Now, what was the name of that one again? And it's like, oh, the, and then you're like, okay, cool. I, I do that all yeah. the time. Like I'm not like a drummer in a band, but it's like when you listen to a certain song on the radio, you're like, you're sitting there, you're like, I can tell you word for word, like what this song is. And then I was like, I can't remember the name. So it's like, and then they'll tell you the name. You're like, not even a clue of how that came to be. But it would be so interesting to me to just say, if you were a uh, a drummer or something for like a band like Fall Out Boy, where the title is nothing similar to the song itself. Like, m- like yeah. my lawyers told us to change this song. Otherwise we get sued. I'm like, okay, but how does that start? Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm still terrible with song names, actually. I'll be like, okay, what track is that? Like, so if it's a CD or I'm actually a huge vinyl guy, I love records. So, but I'll have to say, oh, it's track five. I'm like, oh, okay. But as far as titles go, I'm still actually quite bad with which song is which. It's like the reverse Rain Man where it's like, okay, don't tell him the name of the song. Just Mm -hmm. tell him the album and the track. And it's like track six. And he's like, got it. You're like, really? But I didn't give you the name. Yeah, but I know. (laughs) Oh yeah, for sure. Cause I don't, I don't actually look at the album. I guess I should. A lot of albums that I do fall in love with, I do look at the album. Like when I start to really like the production, I might look at like who engineered it or who produced it. But I actually probably know know more about the personnel than just the names. And if with me, most people I get and I get it and I understand why lyrics are quite important to them. But usually lyrics are actually the last thing for me. A lot of it has to do with the rhythms and the melodies is kind of what I listen to first. And then lyrics are actually the last thing I listen to. Do you think that's like just with you or do you think all drummers are kind of like that? Oh, oh, I don't know. I guess it's maybe more me. No. And like the only reason I bring it up, it's not like to, to like, you know, pinpoint it or anything, but it's like, you know, everyone has their kind of musical style or how they get into music. Like I know with certain people like Chuck Como, for example, he kind of gave me the, the idea of, you know, some people, get lyrics first and then they write a song after like they they have the idea in their mind and then there's some people that like have the musical side of the beat and everything and they're like okay now i gotta put words to this and i'm like okay just put those two people together and that's great and it's like doesn't always work like that i'm like fair enough (laughs) yeah actually josh has worked with those guys a little bit and they are they're very much or usually their lyrics first and actually, actually josh is more like me where he is usually almost always melody first well, actually, like, yeah, so he, pay, I would say I pay attention to Melody first as well. He's more a lyrics guy last as well. But sometimes he'll have, like, keywords. So he'll know 
he's kind of it's kind of neat as he as he's singing if he's got a song idea to us he kind of mumbles so he, he'll have the melody down but he'll mumble words and then it'll kind of go in and out of gibberish and then real words like so there might be three or four real words together and then it'll go back into mumbling and gibberish but he usually keeps the three or four words they're usually always in the same spot so he's, you can kind of tell that those are you know mo- most likely going to be the lyrics when the song arrives so to speak he's like a wordsmith he's just like trying to figure it all out as he goes like okay i got i've got words five and and six now i need to (laughs) define four and ten and eleven yeah but which is kind of funny too because like you know not to like toot his own horn or anything but i find he's a very good lyricist he's very well read too though like when we were early days and we were touring matt and i did most of the driving because we'd try and let josh rest because you know really singer goes down you know, this is way, way early on, right? So when we were doing all the work ourselves, he was he was always reading. Just read, 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 read. Even though he was a guy who never quote quote finished high school sort of thing, he's he's actually a very, very accomplished lyricist and he's got quite the vocabulary. So he's definitely no dumb dumb. Yeah, like it's very interesting that you kind of mentioned about that because, like, you know, on much music, they used to do like video on trial, and I think it was like Shake Tramp they were making fun of, and they had Josh on. And oh, yeah, he wanted to, he's like, if they're going to roast our song, I got to be on there to roast it as well. Yeah. And I appreciate that. Like when I was younger, I was like, why are you doing this? Like, why are you roasting your own song? Like, this is such like, this is so bad. And then when I got older, I'm like, well, he's basically saying, if you're going to throw punches at me, I'm going to throw punches at myself too. So I thought it was just very funny. And even when they were sh- like making the mimic of the shake tramp, like dance and whatever. And I'm like, okay, the guy seems like a little bit of a nutball or a little goofy. But at the same point is like when you're telling me these stories of like how he's very well read, like I'm sure if you went to him and talked to him in person, it's dead serious, but he does have the personality of let's have a little fun with this stuff. Like, come on. When I heard the song, Don't Miss Me, I'm thinking, okay, it's about someone missing someone. And then I look at the video and it's like puppies. And he basically says, yeah, we're going to do a video with puppies. I'm like, <laughs> I, I was like shaking my head. I'm like, okay. Like, I wonder how PR people are like, a manager looks at this and goes like, just, just let him do what he want to do. Like, whatever. <laughs> he definitely has a self-deprecating style of humor. Like he, man, like we're a lot better now probably, but man, we used to just tear the crap out of each other just way back in the day. Like we probably insulted each other enough, but he'll rip himself. To, he's definitely his own worst critic. He'll tear himself to shreds. And we kind of, we're pretty honest with each other. And I think you probably need that with a band. Um, but we just, you know, we make fun of each other so much that it's just kind of our style. We take ourselves serious and we take what we do serious, but we don't take ourselves serious in that way. Does that make sense? Actually, it's a very good way that you put that because, you know, even with relating it to a Canadian band, like even I think the Bare Naked Ladies, when they got inducted into the whole Juno, I think it's like music fame or whatever they had there. I believe that Ed Robertson said it's a fine line between we took the music seriously but we didn't take ourselves too seriously. And I think that's... Yeah, that's a, that's a better way of putting it. We, I think when we first made videos that like way back, we wanted them to be entertaining and we kind of, we didn't really sit down specifically and talk as a group, but we all kind of had it in mind that we didn't like, you know how they got the videos, of, you know, the rockers just like trying to look ultra cool. It's sort of boring and it's sort of like, it's not who we are anyway. So it's like, uh, it was just not appetizing at all. So we actually wanted to make a video that people could watch over and over and over again and laugh or just be entertained rather than like, if it's a cool video, you can watch it a couple of times, but that's really it. After that, it's just sort of boring because it's some guy just, or girl, just, you know, basking in their own glory. And it's like, eh, you know, like, so we just kind of wanted to do something that was entertaining and made people laugh. So that's kind of, that became, I guess, more our style. 
a lot of the success now I could be wrong and and I just wanted to mention it because I think it's kind of interesting we had these conversations with other people like Canadian acts and much music much on demand was really big in helping them get them more kind of famous masterpiece uh, theater like much on demand had that like on a loop much music played it like all to myself beside you actually featured on like the mod and then cross my heart i think was number one on their much music video like show so i think it's kind of cool that you know this is where people maybe got a little bit more exposure into you but is it safe to say that like much music kind of gave you a platform to reach the levels of success you have now Oh, for sure. They were massive in helping us out. I, I remember, I think back in the day, what was it that was, it was MySpace was actually the big music, like yeah. all the bands, <laughs> like the, the social media that everybody was using was MySpace back then. We used to like, it's so hard to make it. And I think we always used to try and send as much traffic to much music's website as possible. You know, if we sent a MySpace message, we would follow it up with a, hey, and check out my band's a video of blah, blah, blah. There would be a link to you know, the much music page. So I think what happened is we started to get a lot of hits on their page. And then they started to develop their like, these guys actually have more fans than we think, because then they don't seem to be that big on radio right now. But there's a lot of people who are checking them out, like our show started to take off. So they started realizing that we were getting, you know, we were maybe a little bit more popular than some people thought. And they were they started to, I guess, realize that. But then also, you know, the videos, again, we try to, you know, not cheap out on them and make them genuinely good and genuinely funny. It's the same with the albums, too. Josh, is he's not a filler person. So he if there's a song that he feels is a B-side, it's and can't hold, you know, if it can't hold its own weight, it's not going on an album. So you might not like every song on the album, but we feel that, you know, every song is still a good song. And I guess just because of that, we ended up taking off and, you know, Much was instrumental in supporting us for sure. When I was doing a bit of research on Much Music, because I grew up watching Much Music, it's kind of how I got into, you know, seeing musical acts, seeing your Mariana's Trench, your like Simple Plan, your Sum 41s, because, you know, if you're home from school or having a day sick and you're at your nans, it's like, yeah, I'm going to watch Much Music. But it's funny when you mentioned about MySpace, because I remember when I was younger, I would actually send messages to like 10 second epic a simple plan like scouting for girls a uk band and be like hey i'm a big fan like you know just just sending you a hey and uh, it's like I, I support your music and i love you guys and then like maybe two weeks later it's like well hey brian like this is so and so from the band it's like i hope you enjoy it and i'm like instantly printing this off and putting this up on my wall this is the greatest day ever yeah we tried really hard actually to get back to everybody who like we were on there all the time. We were like, we, cause at the beginning, again, it's so hard to make it. You're like, well, these fans are taking the time to reach out to us. You know what I mean? And they're actually genuine fans. And we started to get to know a lot of fans over time. We're like, wow, actually our fans are actually, they're very good people. They're very cool people and just genuine and very nice. So we ended up, you know, you end up making friends with a lot of fans over the years kind of thing. Cause you see the same, you know, we have people in Ontario. There's some a few girls who've seen like over a hundred shows because we used to play a ton there. You're like, like you can't help but recognize them all the time, right? But they're super, super nice. Like they're very like, you know, they'll give you your time. They want to obviously say hello and speak to you, but they'll give you your time. They're not super aggressive, pushy kind of thing. So we were super lucky. We started to figure that out early on. So MySpace at, at the time was huge where we started to just develop genuine friendships and it, with certain fans, it was just through conversation. I'll find different songs on all these different albums that you have, like the five that are out now. And I'll listen to them and I'll be like, okay, again, like I said earlier, the songs are great. Some of them, like, you can tell that you've grown musically, but it still remains 
the Marianas Trench. And then there are songs like Pop 101 that you're like, I, th- I think at the time I was in university and I remember on Twitter, it could have been, could have been Twitter, it could have been a couple of my friends going like, oh man, they, they sold out. Like now they're pop music. I'm like, oh, I'm like, I kind of like that song though. And then when it wasn't even on the album, I, and then I think Josh came out and was like, yes, we did these two songs just as fun little songs or projects. Don't worry. We're still going to stick to our, our guns of who we are. I was like, I don't care. Like I like both. That one, that one kind of, that one surprised me because I'm like, how can you not tell that this is a pop music parody? Like, I don't know how, like, more upfront we could, we could have been with that. Well, I loved it. Even if it had to go like, you know, even if it went number one and it was like, got you millions of, you know, uh, awards and stuff, I'd be like, yeah, but you understand that they're kind of making fun of the whole aspect that you're rewarding them for. <laughs> yes. But I got, I was like, how are you getting mad at us for this? Like, Oh, you guys have sold out. You're too poppy. I'm like, Oh my gosh. Like uh, that, that was actually a really hard song to mix just because there were so many different sections. So the Mumford and Son section is going to sound different from the LMFAO sec- section and all, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So it actually, it was like almost two days to put together that song. It was a lot of work. I, I thought it was I thought it was freaking hilarious to tell you the truth. I wasn't, I'm not saying I'm disappointed when people didn't get it. I just was like, you know, the, your diehard fans are like, these guys sold out and whatever. It's like, oh my gosh, I just don't, how do you, like, how do you get it? How do you not get it? Like, it's, you know, especially us, we're a bunch of jackasses. Like, it's like, how, you know, how do you not get that? I think in fairness, Ian, it's, it's when you get to a certain point, you consider everyone a sellout. Like, I remember, like, let's put it this way, and I'm going to put you in good company here where it's like, Simple Plan, Sum 41, Avril Lavigne. When you look at these, their styles when they first came out, like when I was younger, Simple Plan was punk rock, Sum 41, Avril Lavigne, Skater Boy. Like you can't forget this stuff. And then as they kind of progressed over the years, yeah, they got a little bit more poppy, like a little less punk rock. But some people like, you sold out. I'm like, or, or take it this way. They evolved. They still have the similar sound. It's not like, you know, Simple plan to decide, you know what, out with this guy. Chuck, you're dumb. We're bringing in someone new. It's like, they're the same people. You don't expect them to sing the same songs over and over or the same message. So, you know, give them a break. Like, Sum 41 went from In Too Deep to, like, Some Say. And they're, they're both different messages, but it's still the same band. So, like, don't be, don't be so mad. <laughs> yeah, I, I understand, too, when you love a band so much. Like yeah. they change your life. Like they just genuinely are, you, you know, you're having the worst day, like, and it's just, or something bad happened or something traumatic happened and you can put on, that's the beauty, beautiful thing about music and art. Like, you know, whether it's poetry or books is like, especially books. Cause they, they can take, if your life is going, it's a big piece of crap, right? You can read a book and it takes you out. You know what I mean? It puts your head into a, a fictional world that helps you to escape. It's the same thing with music for a lot of people. It's just powerful. So it, they can alter their mood and change them, you know, change their feelings just like that. So when you have that type of band is that powerful for you and they release something that you're maybe you your first instinct is just, ah, I don't get it. I don't like it. You know, like in general, these people should give the, the give them the benefit of the doubt and give it a listen to. But I do understand when, you know, so I ah, freaking so I hate it, you know, like cause they're, they just wanted to, for that band to give them that feeling again, but if, and it didn't with that, their new song. So they just, you know, they get mad kind of thing. Yeah. Like, I feel like it should be more of the concept of before you jump on, it's like, maybe get it from their, you know, get it from the actual source itself. Like, so if you didn't like 
the song or like the sound or the message. We live in a world of social media where I'm sure if there's enough people that asked politely or sent a message like, hey, Mariana's Trench, like, you know, what did you mean by this? And then if you explain it and you're still mad, okay, but at least they explain it to you to the point that you should probably sit there and be like, oh, okay, totally not what I was expecting, but okay, yeah, that that I can try to put myself in that shoes. Oh, we definitely don't have that in our society right now. It's just dog, <laughs> no. pile. It's do- everyone dog pile, you know, you it's a dog pile on Billy, you know, like it's just, uh, it's poor, uh, it's terrible. But if, again, if somebody deserves it, like, I don't think they should be, I'm not a big fan of cancel culture. I'm not a big fan of what's going on. Like, cause somebody, we're humans. Like, I don't know one single human that can't make it. Sometimes we make real doozies, you know, like, but you should, somebody should be allowed the chance to apologize. And obviously it should be genuine. And if it's not necessarily genuine, maybe whatever the thing there is, they should seek some counseling or just to understand why their behavior needs, you know, looking at, but I'm not a fan. Like to me, the whole cancel culture thing is like, you know, burning witches at the stakes. Like people used to do way back in the you know middle ages. It's kind of like, Nope. If they think contrary to this, Nope, that's it. Gone. Burn them. Get rid of them. And it's just like, I don't get it. It's like, it's almost like a curse in a way, because if you grew up in a generation of social media and just say you're 25, 26 or so now, but at 18 or 19, you had social media and you maybe tweeted out something that you don't agree with right now. You're like a stupid 18 year old, but someone like screen captures that and goes, this is what he thought. He still thinks that way. It's like, okay. Yeah. I'm not, that's not my, that's not my jam. And also like, Man, I can't. I don't think the same as I did when I was eighteen. I don't think I had any of the crazy, awful thoughts back then. But if I did, like, who knows? Somebody could have been living in like an awful household where it was extremely abusive. There was an alcoholic parent, this and that, and they had some really bad, dark thoughts. But you know what? Then they put their life, and they probably spouted off on social media. But then they completely took, got their life together and changed their ways. You can't hold that person to those like to those same words that's completely unfair because they're also coming from a position where their life was really hard and really bad and it was perhaps you know turning them into a human being that wasn't necessarily the greatest but if they turn themselves around you can't that's totally unfair to hold them to those specific words whatever they would have been at the time that they you know they tweeted them out because they also might have been just venting to try and get whatever is off their chest you know what i mean because if their situation was so bad they're just Luckily, they weren't doing anything bad. They were just saying something bad, right? So for me, it's people should be forgivable. Do you ever read mean tweets to the band? Or like, you know, do you ever see tweets or these comments and think like, um, because I know you get good ones. So obviously you keep the good, but do you ever see like a bad comment? You're like, this is so ridiculous or something that sticks with your mind. Oh my God, we're the worst because if somebody tweets something so mean and offensive, I retweet it and like I get in a conversation with them. So in a, in a funny way, like just because it's so hilarious, like, but I, I'll, I'm not taking it too serious. Yeah, like yeah. that's, it's hard because some of your fans, they don't quite get it too. And then they get, oh my God, that's so mean. He's such a jerk. I'm like, just leave the guy, like don't engage. And obviously it's horrible because I'm engaging, but I'm not engaging in that kind of way. A lot of the times Josh is really good at that. I, somebody sends him some message and he just starts totally embellishing it. Right. And he plays right in, they play right into his hands. He plays the part that they want him, you know, whatever they're saying about him, he plays that role. It ends up coming back on them. But usually if it's mean, mean or whatever, I don't engage in it that way. If it's like just so crazy, I actually, we usually will retweet it or 
not with Instagram, we don't really repost it, but with Twitter back in the day, we used to retweet it a lot. Like if if someone like put out like just say when you know Josh had like a blue like blue tie dye in his hair or something, and it's like look at this guy with blue hair, and he's like who does he think he is, blah blah blah, and then like it was like, and then he might retweet it and be like that's the most weirdest thing I've ever heard, but okay, like well he would he would engage it, it he would engage in it totally like he's like oh you're he would yeah. be like you're right that guy's such a loser like oh my god like that's what he would do. <laughs> He would totally take their side and he would be like, he'd start bashing himself way more than this guy was bashing him. And then the guy's like, (laughs) or whoever it is, guy or girl. So if somebody's totally rooting against him, he'll totally join that person and dogpile on himself, but say way worse stuff. And then usually the ends up the person on the other line has like egg on their face kind of thing. Or like that's one of the examples of what he would do. But Josh is man, he's so like, yeah. you'd never you never want to get into an insult war with that guy. He is quick witted. Yeah, no, and I mean that's the kind of way you want to be, I guess, to some extent, is be your own worst critic. Because then it's basically what anyone else says. You're basically like, yeah, I've heard that already because I've already said it to myself, and I've said something ten times worse. So whatever. Just to close off the interview, what would be the i guess the worst question you were you ever gotten in an interview the worst question what about the worst it was no, this no, one no, right no. Here. the worst no, question no, no. is <laughs> where'd your band name come from that's been asked so many times and because of that we always give a random answer that has nothing to do with where the band name came from we'll see i'm, I'm glad i i'm glad i didn't start off this interview by going so where did that band name come from <laughs> the the questions were not standard which was the real stock questions that you you tell the person didn't do their you know didn't do any research kind of thing so i I prefer these ones that are a bit more engaging and when they're different they'll keep you talking whereas if you've heard the question over and over again the answer becomes a bit stock and boring that's going to do it for this episode of tobin tonight our thanks to ian castleman of mariana's trench for coming on the show Remember, you can find past, present, and future episodes on TobinTonight.com, Spotify, and iTunes. Follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, and leave a comment or two. For Tobin and myself, this is Jacob saying, thanks for listening, and good night. You looking to make the most out of this life and optimize your personal wellness? Then check out the Natural Man Podcast. Join me, host Mike C., as we explore all areas of human wellness, physical, mental, and emotional. Learn strategies to optimize your own well-being and be in the driver's seat of your own health. Remember, your doctor works for you. Learn biohacks, neurohacks, ways to improve sleep, and ways to optimize your body and your mind. Check us out on Apple, Spotify, the Fountain App, and at naturalmanpodcast.com. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.